All right, well, welcome to Just Talk, where we discuss issues that live at the intersection of faith and public policy. Uh, we're not trying to tell you what to think, but we are trying to give you some things to think about. Uh, and we do have something for you to think about today. Uh, Leslie, you want to share it with us? Sure. Um, I'm Leslie Copeland-Toon. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Estino <laughs> Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're all ready to jump in. I think this is an important issue for us to be thinking about. Um, there's been this big controversy over, um, started over a year ago with uh Colin Kaepernick taking a knee uh, during the national anthem to really protest police brutality and injustice, police brutality against African Americans and the injustice that happens. Nobody, you know, police officers haven't come to trial many, many times or they've gotten off and have murdered unarmed um, Mm -hmm. men and women have been killed. And so he, you know, of course, does this silent protest and it it, um, catches on and then it spirals into what is just this crazy, uh, you can't kneel for the national anthem kind of dialogue um, and that it's disrespectful and to kneel for the national anthem and you you have to stand and you're dishonoring America if you don't stand for the national anthem. And I think, you know, of course, as Christians, this there's lots of Christians out there who are uh, boycotting the NFL now. It's interesting that there was already a boycott out of the NFL. So are you? Uh, which so that's maybe another show. But um, burning um, jerseys and and posting about how it's un-American and um, you know all these other things to to not stand for the national anthem. And I think we have to be challenged by that behavior, right, and checked on that behavior because America is a democracy, you know, full stop. In a democracy, you actually don't have to stand for the national anthem. You actually don't have to put your hand over your heart. It's your choice. That is why you have a democracy, so that you get to choose how you live. We have something called the First Amendment, which says that we have freedom of expression. And it's just very interesting to me, like, where does patriotism end and idolatry begin? And I want to suggest that this whole notion that you somehow are dishonoring the flag and you are, you know, everything but a child of God if you don't stand for the national anthem is idolatry yeah. and not patriotism. Yeah, yeah I've, I've tried to ask myself, what, what is it that really bothers me about this whole situation? I, I'm, I'm bothered by it. Uh, and there's, there are many, um, but let me kind of come to them. I'll take a circle and get to them. Because I really also ask myself the question, can I understand why there are people who are bothered by the kneeling? And I've tried to understand that. And I, and I think I understand that there are people that feel like it's disrespectful to the flag and the nation. I don't agree with that, but I think I understand that that's what the issue is. But what bothers me about this is the racial aspects of this. And, right. and, I, and I just have to be honest with myself about that. I have some issues with even how the president 
called them sons of bitches. Like, I I have an issue with that. Like, what gives you... you, These are grown men. I've had conversations with people who said, well, I don't have a problem with them protesting, but I have a, a problem with them protesting at work. Is that really it? You have a problem with them protesting at work? And they would say, well, I don't get to protest at work. And I said, well, yes, you do. In this country, you could protest wherever you want to protest as long as you're willing to suffer the consequences of that. I said, Colin Kaepernick has been without a job for over a year when underqualified people get keep getting taken by teams. So clearly he's willing to suffer the consequences for that. And so he can make his protest. And then I've gotten frustrated by the way that this uh, protest has been recast into this issue of America versus the others. The, right, right, the others, right. But every attempt had been made along the way to do this protest in a way that had been respectful, you know, consulted Colin Kaepernick and his uh, colleague consulted, you know, an army veteran who said that sitting wasn't appropriate and so they decided to kneel because kneeling would be better. So it's all this kind of masking of what the real issue is here in order to change this into a different conversation. Right. And so the other piece is it's like there's no good way to protest, right? So don't want to steal them to kneel. You know, rioting is obviously out of the question. And the issue becomes, do we really want these guys to be able to say what's on their mind? Or do we feel like we have a a justifiable reason of keeping them silent? And I hate that. I mean, I just don't like that. Um, And so there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, they are obviously being silenced. And I think for Christians who would be more upset at, kneeling for the national anthem than they are that people who were unarmed, who were on videotape being murdered, um, have nothing to say about that. Totally silent. Oh, well, they must have a reason or whatever the way they justify that. Have no skin in the game, but then somebody expresses their right as an American, and their job is actually to throw and catch footballs and to play whatever position they play. The whole beforehand is not actually what they're not signing a contract right. to sing the national anthem. Right. They're signing right. a contract to play football, right? right? But you know, to this idea that you're, you're not mad that people are dying, right. that there's no justice, right. but you're mad that somebody takes a knee is idolatry. And ridiculous. And it's upsetting because the narrative of it, I think, was hijacked by, you know, the president's comments as if he's got nothing better to do um, than talk about what the NFL players are doing. And then becomes this kind of, you know, it's almost like Salem witch trials. It's like this whole kind of um, fervor around it that's, I think, is inappropriate Mm -hmm. and unnecessary. And Mm -hmm. if we want to talk about disrespecting the American flag. I've got a whole list. And right now I feel like I could probably start with throwing paper towels at people who are recovering from a a complete disaster. That didn't feel real honorable to me. Yeah. Yeah. I've had uh, uh, conversations with a few people who will say things like, well, I don't watch television to see the protests. I don't watch football to watch the protests. If I wanted to watch a protest, I would watch CNN. If I wanted to, if I wanted wanted to see all of this, I would watch a different channel. But when I come to football, I come to escape the realities of life, right? And I always think that that's such a funny argument to me because one, 
protest is supposed to make you uncomfortable. Uh, but two, the protest is because the people who are protesting live lives there in which they are uncomfortable. We don't get to take our skin off. And you know, even it, within the stadium, somebody last week called a football player for the Washington football team the N-word, right? right? So he doesn't even get to escape his reality <laughs> by playing this game that you want to see and be uh, comforted by, right? And so the reality is everyone's, and then there was a baseball player yeah, for the Boston say, Red Boston, Sox who's in yeah. the outfield and gets called the N-word. And so, and so black people do not get to have a respite from the realities of our blackness. And so I'm not moved by somebody feeling like they've worked a hard week and so now they want to just sit back <laughs> down on their lazy boy and watch the football game. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, not, I'm sorry. How, how in your mind does that, people are dying in the streets, you know, people aren't safe, the people who are supposed to protect them are killing them. And you're upset that a protest is is interfering in your football game. And it doesn't even interfere in the football game. It, it totally interferes does not. in the national anthem, right? And the national anthem, there have been all kinds of articles that have come out that have talked about even how the national anthem got introduced into sporting events, right? That it was an attempt to create patriotism. It was an attempt to increase recruitment efforts. Even now, the armed forces has a, a huge chunk of money in their budgets every year. All these acknowledgments of soldiers and, and service people that we think is just these, these uh, football and sporting leagues being patriotic is really because someone's paying them to do it. So if we're going to do it, let's at least be authentic in the way that we're doing it. And we're not even doing that. We're doing it because the, because the Department of Defense is paying us a lot of money to do it. Right. And then the whole NASCAR piece, well, if you, if you, you know, don't stand and sing the national anthem, then you're not going to be in NASCAR. I think, you know, the hypocrisy, I think, is a good word. Yeah. I think that we have to be challenged by our own privilege and we have to be challenged by our own notions of what we deserve, what we are entitled to. Right. And the reality of other people suffering, the other people's lives, the danger. I mean, there are black and brown people who are in danger because of the climate right now and because of some things that happen. If you make one false move, if you, you know, get pulled over and somebody mistakes a reflection in a mirror, you might end up dead, you know? And then they don't even, they are not even held accountable. And St. Louis, where they're still protesting, they had this cop get off because he is on tape saying, I'm going to kill this mm -hmm. beep, beep, yeah. beep, you yeah. know, and then the guy ends up dead. Um, the, the gun, the only fingerprints on the gun are of the police officers. The guy's fingerprints are not on the gun at all. And the, the, the judge um, lets the guy off, yeah. lets the police officer off. So there's no justice. Right. And so you hem people in, in this way, um, you know, people are crying out not for for special treatment. They're crying out for equal treatment, right. for justice, right. that their lives do matter, right. that you can't just kill people because you were trigger happy or whatever the case may have been. Um, Walter Scott, the whole thing in South right. Carolina on tape, he tells him to run and he shoots him in the back right. and he gets off. And I think 
how can you not be challenged by that, but be challenged by somebody kneeling? kneeling at a, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And for me, there's a, a larger issue in this that, you know, I was, as I was driving yesterday, I was trying to, again, just think through this uh, with some clarity. And, you know, I think Donald Trump, when he, when he makes that speech, right, he says, you know, they are not respecting our country and they are not respecting our heritage. And I think for me, that's part of one of the clearest articulations of one of my issues. The truth is people of color in this country don't always feel a connection to our heritage, right? We've been sold, and and I say as Americans, we've been sold this kind of revisionist history that doesn't include everyone, right? Black and brown people are sometimes footnoted in the early formation of this country. And the stories that are told are not the complete story. And so the quote unquote heritage of America really still does not include people of color to a large extent. It doesn't include the contributions of people of color. It doesn't include the the pains and the hurts of people of color. This country has never really reconciled its history as it relates to black and brown people and certainly not native people. And so when you ask everyone to stand and pledge allegiance as if our history is this shared history that we all agree on, that we all celebrate for the same reasons, it it creates this kind of false environment that everyone is just not comfortable with. Right. Um, When we talk about the land of the free and the home of the brave, and then we see that communities of color are marginalized in ways in which our government is quite frankly complicit and majorities of this nation are complicit. Whether we agree with it, we allow it to continue. You know, when we read some of our founding documents and we recognize that our founding documents didn't even include people of color as even complete and whole persons, right? Um, I, I appreciate the way Barack Obama used to try to reconcile this, and I've never had a conversation with him about it. But as I listened to him try to reconcile it, he would talk about how the pledge and a lot of these affirmations that we make are pledging to the, um, the aspirations of this country or what America can be or the ideals of the nation. That's one thing. That's one thing. But then to hear... Trump talk about us not appreciating the history or the heritage of the country. It's a different thing. Yeah, and who does he mean by they and our? Well, I, right? We know like, who well, they we are. Exactly. They're the sons of bitches on the football right, field. Right, right. And, and, but they are our. Right. right. They are Americans. That's right. And in America, That's right. you get to do what you want right. to do as long as you don't harm others. That's right. And for people to be more upset about people, not upset about the harm, but upset about people expressing their First Amendment rights is really insane. And so then it pushes the question about idolatry. Like, have we made, we've made Jesus American. We've made, you know, Jesus speaking English, you know, it's like King's English, like King James English, in fact. And um, all these other things that are not consistent with what, well, first of all, it's not even factual, but then it's not consistent with our faith. As a Christian, your allegiance isn't even to the flag, like that we are honor, we respect. And it isn't even to nations, quite frankly. Right, right, right. 
it's to God, right? right? But all of that kind of gets lost and hijacked really in this this conversation. I remember being at a protest and somebody singing this land is this, land. this yeah, this land is your land, this land. And I, you know, I felt really weird about singing it. Like I think they were doing the affirmational kind of thing, but it there is this recognition that we have to or I think we have to recognize if my son walks down the street with a hoodie on you know, God only knows he's in danger. Mm -hmm. If he's in certain spaces, if I'm in certain spaces, if you're in certain spaces, that we could be where our lives are literally in danger. And rather than deal with that and try to address that so that we are all singing, you know, and really living it, people are upset that you're recognizing and calling out and speaking the truth about what's going on. Yeah, I think the, the best case scenario is all peoples of this nation being able to come together under the same flag, pledge allegiance, have the same sense of commitment, the same sense of commonality. And the reality is that doesn't exist. We know it. Articles after articles talk about division in this country. It doesn't exist. Everybody's experiences are not the same. So if we really want to get there, then let's work on those things. Let's work on truthfulness and reconciliation in our nation. Uh, let's fix some of the issues that exist so that we can all do that. But to expect that we're going to just come together under this anthem, because really it's not the flag. Right. It's the anthem. Right. It's it's all that that represents. It's just, it's disingenuous. I was listening to a sports commentator talk about this and, and he was talking about, yeah, well, well, I don't understand why they're doing it because the flag means, you know, the flag means that we're all coming together. The flag, the flag represents that, you know, we're all one people. The flag represents something that we can be proud of and it represents the history and it represents this. And one of the other commentators says, that's what it represents to you. Right. 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 That's what it represents to you. And so if you really want to understand Colin Kaepernick, then you might start by asking, what does it represent to you? What what does it feel like to be an American as an African-American man, right? What does it feel like to have people commentating uh, critiquing your hair and saying that if you want to be acceptable, then you need to braid it or cut it. What is what does that mean to you? Um, and until we get to a place where we're really willing to have deep conversations that don't just feed our understanding, but cause us to change our impressions, change the way that we act toward one another, it never is going to get better. And sadly, that part of the problem is and becomes, do you... Well, I would say there's a sense in which they don't believe that we're being treated differently. Many people think, well, they're just complaining. They're just still hung up on, you know, slavery. And I think other people have said that, you know, we were enslaved or in some form of segregation, Jim Crow or slavery longer than we've not been. That's right. That. So, for, well, for sure. So um, there's this kind of, you know, well, we're not doing that anymore. So that the, the whole history kind of disappears. Um, because you don't want it to be there anymore. And I think that's privilege and that's 
unfortunate, and that's not going to to move us along in a in a better direction. And I think for Christians, I mean, we're supposed to be truth tellers. You know, we're supposed to engage. If we're people who are disciples of Christ, Jesus met people where they were. He understood where they were coming from. Even the Samaritan, right? Who he wasn't even the Samaritan right. woman he wasn't right. even supposed to be talking to her right. when he's saying to the woman about even the dogs, yeah. the, the, the crumbs yeah, the on the table. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, Jesus. That was rough, but he's engaging with her and he's dealing with really the customs of the day and he's tearing down those boundaries, right? But we got none of that from evangelicals who's supposed to know the Bible so well and be like the people who, and I used to consider myself an evangelical, but I'm I'm saying like, we, come on, we got to step it up in terms of our witness and our discipleship and how we're engaging in these conversations instead of this idolatrous relationship that we're having with whiteness and with the flag. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we've we've referred to the question often is where do our allegiances really lie? Like when we pri- when we look at ourselves and we kind of pull ourselves apart, what do we prioritize? Do we prioritize our identity in Christ first? Do we identify with our race or our national origin or our gender? What is it that we put out first? And it would seem to me that particularly for those who proclaim to be Christians, that that ought to be our priority. In fact, Jesus would say that we have to forsake even our biological family and pick up our cross and, right. and follow him. And so uh, there seems to be no equivocation when it comes to what the Lord expects from us. But we have problems with that. And I think it's all wrapped up in, in history. It's all wrapped up in culture. Um, but we've got to find a way to to separate some of those things out. But this has been it's been interesting this whole this whole protest and I wonder what's going to come out of it. Like I wonder if we'll ever really get back to what the origin of it was with this police brutality and I wonder if we'll ever get back there or if now this has been co-opted to really just be about the flag and the first amendment something that we're much more willing to talk about, right? We're much more willing to talk about freedom of expression than we are to talk about freedom. Right, <laughs> because, right, right. Uh, well, know. even the Second Amendment trumps the First yeah, Amendment yeah. Um, because we're much more willing to accept any old thing, any and everything when it comes to people and guns. And gosh, you say uh, something about not wanting to stand for the flag. Right, and right. It's a chaotic situation. Yeah. So what? So I, I was uh, having this conversation with somebody, again, online, and he was asking me the question. He says, okay, so so what do you then you, do you think is an acceptable form of protest? What do, you, what do you think is the way that we ought to protest? And, and my response to him was that, you know, the Lord has created, he's talking about Christian protest in particular. Right. And, and I said, you know, the Lord has created us all differently. Right. So in the way that same way that he's given us different gifts, the way that he's given us different passions, he's given us different um, talents that we can't expect that our form of protest is going to all be the same. You know, kneeling might not be your form of protest, but it might be writing. It might be speaking. It might be financial. If the Lord has blessed you with some, with, to be, you know, wealthy or well-off, you may be able to make an impact with the way that you spend or, or don't spend your money. But the, but the point is not necessarily even the form of the protest, but the that you protest. Like we are all called, I think, as believers to stand against injustice. We're all called as believers 
to not just go along with the status quo when it is marginalizing whole groups of people. You know, Jesus talks a lot about that in the scriptures, about welcoming the stranger and and really connecting with those on the margins. You mentioned a couple examples uh, as you were talking. I just firmly believe that as believers, we are called to resist ungodliness. And we're called to resist it in the way that the Lord has laid on our heart. But we've got to do something. Right. We've got to do something. Yeah. And I think, um, well, first of all, I might not ever stand again. <laughs> like just in my own protest, I might always sit or kneel or whatever else, just because raise a fist is just ridiculous. But I do think, you know, that you have to, I would agree, you have to find your space, but find a space. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting that we're in this place where we're, as Christians, generally, at least a lot of people think, because there's a lot of resistance out there. Um, I think we're both in our own ways part of that, but are much more willing to criticize kind of the sins of others and speak out on that than the the sin that we're all dealing with that is systematic, is systemic, yeah. is probably the better word, in this country. That's a shame. And we need to really wrestle with that, I think, in a spiritual way. You know, a couple of months ago, I got arrested. I was civil disobedience. But our civil disobedience was praying in the Russell Rotunda building about Millions of people being um, their their healthcare being taken away and lives literally being put at risk. A budget that cuts, by and large, programs that help people who need the help the most. And so we went and we prayed. And praying is considered protest action. And so they arrested us. Well, you would think that there would be some evangelicals who say, "Oh my God, they took prayer out of school." We were praying and we got locked up. You know, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with lifting my voice in that way as a witness to God is not pleased with this, that that you would hurt the least of these, that you would put people's lives at risk, which what boiled down yeah, to is yeah. giving money, tax breaks to yeah. wealthy people. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I guess the last thing I, I guess I would say about this, and, and it's one that I always come back to. And for me, I, I also think that one of the greatest forms of resistance that we can do is looking inward. Yeah. Right. I mean, I know it sounds corny, but but all of us have areas and issues that we need to change about ourselves. There are ways in which we contribute to some of the toxicity that that exists around us. I know that's true for myself. So if, even if I'm just speaking of myself, there there are some ways in which that if I just change some things about me, the world would be a better place. And so even as you talk about how it's so much easier for us to sometimes point the finger and to look outward, that really it begins with us. It begins with us being the people that we need to be so that we're not contributing to the environment that we always talk about hating so much. I think that's a commitment that all of us can make, even if we can't control anyone else. We can't control the White House. We can't control Congress. We can't control our neighbors. We can't control our church, but we can control ourselves. And And I think, too, checking our own hypocrisy, which I think is really what you're saying. Like There are some spaces where we need to recognize that we need to do better. Better, and That's we right. need to lean into that. That's right. All right. So again, so we're, we, we've just tried to talk a little bit about these protests. We've tried to talk about, you know, the flag and we've, we've, we've kind of ranted. ranted. Yeah. I feel like we were ranting a little bit, but maybe somewhere within lot. all of that. Yeah. yeah. 
Sometimes you, I guess you just have to unload. Sometimes right? you just gotta <laughs> unload. So if you want to unload with us, yes, uh, yes. you can email wanna, us. That's right. right. That's right. If you want to unload with us, uh, feel free to send us an email. You can visit the website justtalk.com. Uh, there are links to our Twitter feeds and our Facebook feeds and and all kind of good stuff on there. But you can check it out and shoot us an email, and we'll be trying to respond to you. And and so we we always appreciate you being with us, and we'll look forward to being with you again on next week. Uh, until then, I'm Essentino Lewis. I'm Leslie Copeland too. And have a great day. Take God care. Bless. Bye-bye. Just talk, just talk. Just talk, just talk.